listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Hey, well, look who it is. It is my wonderful podcast family. And if you didn't remember, we're starting this week making the podcast available on Mondays. And that's because coming up every Wednesday, we are going to have a new episode every single week entitled Worship Wednesday, where we're going to be taking content from previous uh, worship summits and uh, teachings. I'm going to be doing some interviews at times all on the subject of worship. So welcome to the first Monday edition of the podcast. And I want to say thank you for listening. I really appreciate you guys. We've got a great episode for you guys today that you're not going to want to miss. And you're going to want to share this with somebody because it's going to be a life-changing episode. But first, it is Monday, and that means Monday Music Mashup. New playlist is available today on Apple Music and Spotify. Listen, if you haven't taken the time to check these out I'm making a brand new playlist for you guys every single week on either of those outlets, Spotify or Apple Music. All you got to do is search Monday Music Mashup. You'll see the playlist. You can subscribe to it on Apple Music. You can like it on Spotify. And I'm going to give you guys brand new music uh, every single week that I've been listening to. When I say brand new, I mean it's a new playlist. This week I included some of the classics that I love And, uh, for example, that Kirk Franklin song, um, he reigns, our God is an awesome God is still one of my favorite songs. I remember back when I was a youth pastor, I must've played that song. Uh, I must've given it 1 million plays and this was before streaming. So they didn't get any royalties from the amount of plays, but they got the purchase and that's what matters. But that song to this day is still one of my favorite songs, but we're providing a soundtrack for your week, giving you faith, building you up putting you in momentum for what God's called you to do. So take a minute, jump over after the podcast episode, subscribe to the playlist, add it to your library. You won't regret it. New music every single Monday. Appreciate it. Listen, I wanted to say also that we've got a new book coming out further faster and it's talking about the power of impartation and how it allows you to leapfrog past the normal when other people are at Uh, where they should be at their age, you can be far further than they are by the power of impartation. You don't have to start from ground zero, but you can start on the shoulders of those that have gone before you at a much higher level by the power of impartation. I want to show you guys, since this is kind of a, a family setting, if you will, where the podcast tribe, not everybody listens to the podcast, but more and more are joining every week, But for those of you that do listen to it, I want to give you a sneak peek into the new book. And in the description of this podcast, I've put a link where I want to share with you the first completed chapter of the book. And I know it's going to be a huge blessing to you. The book is releasing next month in November, and you can pre-order it right now on our store, shop.miracleword.com. And if you do pre-order the book, Um, We're going to be also giving you the audio sermon 
uh, where I preach this at my father's camp meeting, this message further faster, it will be a massive blessing to you. Um, this message has been stirring in my spirit uh, for months and months and months now, and God's impressed it upon me that it's one of the most important things for our generation. In fact, I did a podcast on it not long ago, an episode entitled Further Faster, same title as the book. And uh, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. It will bless you. But uh, I want to encourage you, click the link, go get your free chapter of the book, and then pre-order the book uh, right through our, our store, shop.miracleword.com. And uh, I am so pumped for this thing, man. It's like, it's blowing my spirit up. Every time I, I God gives me something new, I can't get the content out fast enough. So it's going to be awesome. And then we're getting ready to translate several of our books into other languages, which I'm extremely excited about. We'll give you more info on that as it's coming. But I'm excited. A lot going on. And uh, I'm happy to have you with me today. Let's jump in. As you saw from uh, the title, this is something that I know many, many people think about. <laughs> many people. But we're going to talk about five common mistakes that may be stealing your financial increase. Five common mistakes that may be stealing your financial increase. Everybody is called to increase financially in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God. God's desire for you and for me is that we increase on a regular basis. You know, maintenance mode is disgusting to God. He hates maintenance mode. If you don't believe me, read Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. The Bible says that a master was leaving town and gave his three servants different levels of talents. He gave the first five talents. He gave the second two talents. And he gave the third one talent. And they were based upon their previous abilities and fruit they'd produced. And when he came back from his journey, he checked with the first servant. And the Bible says... He had invested it and gave his master back 10, doubled his talents. Checked with the second servant, he gave his master four. He had doubled his talents as well. But when he checked with the final servant, the Bible tells us that the servant says, well, I knew you were a hard man. And so I took your talent and buried it in the ground. And here, you can have it back now that you're back in town. Here's your talent. And you know, notice the master did not say, Man, I'm really disappointed in you. Look, your other uh, co-workers here, they, they invested. You know, they were able to uh, get me some increase. No, he looked at this final servant who had gone into maintenance mode, who had put his life into cruise control, and he said, you wicked servant, and then commanded him to be bound and cast out. He said, you wicked servant. So God looks at maintenance mode. He looks at cruise control as a wicked thing because it is his desire and his plan for you to increase. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter four and verse 18, that the path of the just is a shining light that shines ever brighter, or one translation says brighter and brighter until the perfect day. God's desire for you as the just, the righteous, is that every day your path is brighter than the day before. Every day, your life is at a higher level than it was the day before. 2019 shouldn't look like 2018 for you. It should be greater. It should be brighter. There should be increase. And one of the areas that God desires us to have increase is financial prosperity. Why? Because the Bible teaches us that money answers all things. It is a solution. It is a tool. It gives you influence in the world to do 
what God's called you to do and to further the agenda of heaven on the earth. The more influence you have, the more impactful you can be. And the Bible's very clear that God has a plan to cause you to increase financially. I won't get into it deeply uh, about the what I call the seven redemptive benefits of God, but if you go to Revelation chapter five and you read Revelation five and verse 12, the Bible lists the seven things that Christ died to receive. And the Bible says that the angels were singing around the throne, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches. One translation says, and wealth. That's not talking about spiritual riches or spiritual wealth. In the Greek, it's the same as in 2 Corinthians. It's the word pluteo or plutos. It means natural wealth or riches. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Those are the seven. But isn't it interesting that one of the things Jesus died for is to receive wealth and riches? Well, it's not because he needed it. He's obviously sitting at the the right hand of the Father right now, making intercession for you and me. He doesn't need financial prosperity in heaven. He doesn't need increase in heaven. His feet are resting in this very moment on streets of pure gold. He's seated on a throne behind gates that are made of one pearl, the Bible says. Think how big that pearl is to make gates out of one pearl. He doesn't need it. Why did he do it? He died to receive it so that he could give it to you. And if you think that the only reason Jesus died is to save you from hell, then you've missed so much of the redemptive covenant. That's not, that's a very narrow view. Thank God for the fact that is the biggest benefit of salvation is that we get to spend eternity in the presence of God, but God wasn't going to leave us hanging on the earth as his children. Christ didn't just die so that our spirits could be saved from eternal damnation. The Bible teaches us that there are many parts to redemption. In fact, the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3, that with joy will you draw water from the wells of your salvation. So recognize immediately that your salvation has wells within it, wells of blessing, that with joy you will extract them from the wells of your salvation. So notice there are things inside your redemptive covenant that belong to you that you should be extracting on a daily basis that are causing you to increase. Healing is one of those things that belongs to you. Joy belongs to you. Peace belongs to you. Financial increase and prosperity is also one of those things that belongs to you as a believer, a covenant member of the body of Christ. So we are to increase in these areas every single day. And I want to show you today from the word of God, five common mistakes that might be stealing your financial increase. Because understand, these are not promises. These are covenants. We're not in a promise. We're in a covenant. A covenant is different than a promise. And what do I mean by that? Well, I'll give you just a practical example. Uh, a promise would say, you know, like, let's say I knocked on your door today and said, Hey, listen, um, I'm going to be coming to your house tomorrow at 3 PM to cut your grass. I just made you a promise. So based on the integrity of my word, no matter what you do, or no matter if you're home or not, you could be out shopping. It doesn't matter. 
I'm going to show up at your house at the time I stated, and I'm going to cut your grass. There were no stipulations. It's a promise. But see, we're not living under a promise with God. We're living under a covenant. A covenant is different than a promise because a promise has one side. A covenant has two sides. A covenant says, if you pay me $20, I will come to your house tomorrow and cut your grass. That's a covenant because you have a part and I have a part. If your part is not fulfilled, then I'm not required to fulfill my part. If you don't pay me the $20, then I'm not required to come cut your grass. That's a covenant. And we're living under a covenant with God. He has parts that we are to play in order for him to do what he said he would do. In fact, the Bible says, and I'm going to quote this verse again. It's one of my favorites. It needs to get into the spirit of this generation. John 14, 21, he who has my commands and obeys them, it is he who loves me. And because he loves me, my father will love him and I will love him, Jesus said, and I'll manifest myself to him. So notice that's a picture of a covenant. He said, in order for me to manifest myself to you, in order for you to be qualified for the father's love and my love, you have to first obey my commandments. And so Christ was very clear. So there is a part that we've got to play. And when it comes to financial prosperity, understand God set a system in place thousands of years ago that's called the system of seed time and harvest. It's found in Genesis 8 and verse 22. The Bible says, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. So understand that's how God works. The kingdom of God's based on that. The Bible says, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn on the ear. Everything increases with God, a system of increase. And it's seed time and harvest. That's how it works. Without a seed sown, there can be no harvest. And it's the same with everything in the kingdom of God. Why did God have to send his son to be born as a human in order to get what he wanted? Because God's the one who set up the system. And he can't break his own system. If he wanted a harvest of human men and women, he had to send his son, who the Bible calls the incorruptible seed, who had to take on the form of a man, a human being, and had to complete this process of redemption by living a sinless life. And then was able to take the sins of the world onto himself and had to die and be planted in the ground. And so Christ, who is the seed, was planted in the ground, but when he was resurrected, he was what the Bible calls the first fruits of the dead. He was the first harvest in his resurrection, and then those of us who are in Christ Jesus are the full harvest of what God was expecting when he sent Christ. Without that seed from God, there could be no body of Christ. Without God sowing a seed of Jesus, there could be no salvation in this world. Everything responds to a seed. It's the most powerful thing, the seed that you sow. And everything you release from your life is a seed. So understand, I'm going to give you these these five things that are found in the word of God, that if they're not in place, they may already be stealing your financial increase. If these things aren't going on in your life, one or all of them may not be going on. You've got to get them going on immediately.
You've got to get these moving because understand God wants to see you increase, but he cannot allow it to happen until obedience to his covenant takes place. So let's jump in today. Number one, the first thing that I want to show you that is a, uh, a, a dangerous thing that could be stealing your increase is the area of tithing. And the reason I put this first, and I really didn't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about it because it's such a basic thing. It's such a basic thing. It's the tying your shoes of Christianity. You know, one of the things we need to realize is that many things God does is a test of our heart and a test of our love. As I read to you in John 14, he's testing your love. If you truly love, anyone can say they love you, but what are you doing to prove that you love me? And what Jesus is trying to get into our spirits is our actions are the truest proof of our love for God. What we do, what choices we make, the actions we take, these are the truest proofs of our love for God or for Christ. Tithing is the most basic of those things. That's why I didn't really want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but it's it's really it's sad when you look at the statistics, how few people in the body of Christ, Christians, people who say they're sold out for God, who love him with their whole heart, the statistics are showing us that the majority, and I mean the massive great majority of people in the body are not even tithing. It's such a small percentage. You look at Barna reports or any, anything else, you'll see it's such a small percentage of people who are actually tithing annually. You know, that that to me is ridiculous. How can you say, that's like saying you love your wife so much that you just are in love with her, but you you refuse to ever buy her a birthday present. You always forget your anniversary. You'll never get her a Christmas present. Well, she's going to start to question how much you really, really love her, or the same with your husband if you're a woman listening to this, going to really question how much you love him if you never go out of your way to do anything for him. It's the most basic thing. You know, we always talk, you know, if you, if you read any, uh, you know, they always try to tell you if you want your relationship to go to the next level, you know, many people, they, they receive love by, you know, giving of gifts. And they always tell you, you know, don't just buy your wife or husband a gift on their birthday. Everyone does that. You know, that's the, that they expect that to come. They expect that to happen. You know, gifts that are given, uh, without expectation are the best gifts, gifts that come as a surprise when there's no reason to buy a gift. They feel even more special. And that's true. They're telling you to do more than the basic, do more than, you know, the minimum required thing. And tithing is the minimum. It's the basic thing in Christianity. And I want to encourage you because it's sad how few people are taking uh, the steps, the basic steps to tithe. You know, you, and, and people try to make it like, well, you know, it's just not for today. I can't find in the Bible why anybody would make an argument that tithing is not for today. And I'll, and I'll give you some reasons why. Number one, tithing is something that was done before the law of Moses was ever instituted. The Bible says Abraham paid a tithe of all of his increase to Melchizedek. His grandson, Jacob, promised the Lord that he would tithe. These are two men that did it before it was commanded in the law of Moses. So where did they get this idea? They just randomly came up with the tithe. They just somehow coincidentally came up with the tithe. And let me tell you, even before it was called a tithe, 
there was always something that was reserved by God for himself that others were not allowed to touch. Think about it. God created the entire Garden of Eden, all the wonderful things that were in it. And he said to Adam and Eve, I've given you the whole thing, but I've reserved this tree for myself. You can't eat from it. You can't touch it. It's not for you. Why would God do that? He can do anything because he's instituting a thought process. He's instituting a principle that there are things that are reserved for him. Why does he do that? He does it to test your heart, to see where your heart is at. Do you truly love him? Will you obey him? See, because here's what, you, which, what we really have to realize is, is all throughout from the beginning to the end, there can be no blessing without obedience. There can be no blessing without obedience. Obedience has to be there as the catalyst for the blessing. Isaiah chapter one, the Bible says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Without obedience, there can be no blessing. So God creates a garden and says, hey, Adam, everything is yours and your wife's except for this tree. Do not touch it. Do not eat it. It's reserved for me. Go on further. Look at the life of Noah. The Bible says Noah had to build the ark. And it was interesting because he he and his family were the only ones left on the earth worthy of saving, the only righteous ones left to repopulate the earth. Everybody thinks that, that, you know, Noah brought the animals on the ark two by two. Well, he did, but that was just the unclean animals. Look at the ones that were clean or the ones that he was able to eat and sacrifice even. And the Bible says they came on by the sevens. Study it for yourself. But the question is, why did God have him bring extra of certain animals on the ark with him? Two by two of the unclean, but by sevens of the clean. Why did he do that? Because God knew that by the time the ark came to rest on the top of Mount Ararat, that the first thing that was going to have to happen is that Noah was going to have to take those animals that were clean and present a sacrifice unto God. Now, I want you to think how crazy that is because understand the entire world has been destroyed. You need every resource that you can get to repopulate the earth. But notice, even in those moments, God said, no, first things first, you take what's clean and you reserve some for me first. Build an altar and give me a sacrifice. And whether you want to call that a tithe or whatever you want to call it, God reserved those things before Abraham, before Jacob, before Moses, reserved them for himself as a test of the heart of Adam and Eve and of the heart of Noah and his family to ensure that their hearts belong to him in covenant. Same with Abraham, same with Jacob, goes on down through the history of the Bible and the word of God. You understand that God has always reserved something for himself. We go on further, you understand it became uh, commanded in the law of Moses for tithes to be paid, tithes to be given. You don't give a tithe, you pay it because it already belongs to God. You know, when, when understand that when God commands something, it must be done. The other thing I want you to consider about tithing is that 
uh, when something took place in the Old Testament that was nullified in the New Testament that we don't do anymore, it's because Jesus Christ completely fulfilled it or obliterated it and it's no longer needed. So understand God's nature doesn't ever change. God remains the same. He is the same always. Read Malachi. It tells us I'm the Lord your God. I don't change. Jesus is the same. Hebrews says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the question we have is, when did God's nature change? If God was requiring the tithe then, what changed that? What changed it? Now, there were multiple offerings in the Old Testament that were given. One was the atonement offering that was given uh, for sin so that the sins of, of people could be covered for the year by the blood of spotless bulls, goats, or lambs. Uh, there was alms giving or giving to the poor. There was what we call free will offerings or just offerings as we know them today. There was the tithe. So let's look at those for a second. And one thing you're going to find out is we still give offerings. We didn't, just because Jesus came and we're in the New Testament, it didn't stop the fact that we give free will offerings to our God. We still do it to this day. We still bless the poor or give alms. That, that wasn't canceled out. We still bless the poor. It's commanded. We're supposed to bless the poor. Jesus didn't cancel that out. Why? Because he was not the ultimate gift to the poor. And he was not the ultimate free will offering on the cross. In the same way, Christ was not the ultimate tithe on the cross. He did not nullify tithing because he died. That's ridiculous. The, the offering that Jesus canceled out was the atonement offering because he was the ultimate atonement offering. He was the spotless lamb of God who was given to take away the sins of the world. The blood of Jesus Christ brought about the remission of sins. And so there's no, no need for us anymore to give an atonement offering on an annual basis and slaughter a bull, a goat, or, or a lamb and allow that blood to cover the sins of our family. That's not necessary anymore. It's not because God stopped requiring blood for sin. He still requires blood. But the book of Hebrew te Hebrews tells us that Christ's blood is now eternal. It is an eternal sacrifice for all sins. And it's presented to God on an eternal basis. And so God sees the blood of Jesus Christ forever as the power to remove sin. So God still requires the same thing. It's just that he has an eternal version of it. But Jesus, nowhere did Jesus become the ultimate tithe on the cross. You won't find a scripture that teaches that. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23 that you should tithe. You, Jesus said, yes, you should tithe. And he was actually rebuking them because he was saying, you do all these smaller things and you're faithful to do the smaller things. He said, and yes, you should do them, but don't ignore the greater things. So a couple of things Jesus says, number one, tithing should be done, but it's a smaller thing. It's a minute, you know, it's the base level of what you should do for the kingdom. And then you go to Hebrews chapter seven and you'll find that there were still men there that were receiving tithes. He said, men who die here receive tithes, but there he or Jesus receives them in heaven. So we pay tithes on the earth, but now because the priesthood has changed, we pay them and they go directly to Christ in heaven, the Bible teaches. There's nothing in the word that tells us that tithing has been nullified or voided out.
It is still an expectation of God. It is still something that should be done today. And if you're not doing it, you're missing out on the most base level of what will bring the blessing into your life. It ensures God has your heart and it puts you in position to be blessed. So number one, tithing. Failing to tithe is one of the most common mistakes and the statistics show it. Almost nobody in America is doing this on a regular basis. Probably less than 10% at this point are uh, of Christians in America are actually faithfully paying their tithes on a, on a annual or weekly basis even. And it must be done. If you don't do it, you are only hurting yourself. Number two, I want to talk about this factor of sowing at your level of increase. But I want to say it in another way also. The mistake that you could make is putting your house over God's house. Putting your house over God's house, making yourself more important than God, making your agenda more important than God's agenda. And and the way I want to address this is that when you sow a seed into the kingdom of God, it has to be, now we're talking about the free will offering that I mentioned a moment ago. This is an offering. It's got to be something that takes faith for you to do. You know, it's so ridiculous. I can't imagine ever doing this. And I know it's done a lot, but you know, I can't imagine my church taking an offering and me marching down the front to the front with three $1 bills crumpled up in my hand, thinking I'm doing God a service or as the plate passes by, you know, pulling a $5 bill out of my wallet, you know, crumpling it up real small so nobody can tell what it is and throwing it into the plate. What a ridiculous thing to do as a child of God. If you're an adult, if you're, let me just say this, if you're over the age of 12 and you're giving small bills like that in an offering, when your church takes an offering, I mean, you need to get saved. You need to repent. What a ridiculous thing to give the God of heaven and earth is to crumple up a few $1 bills and throw it in the offering plate. I've actually, you guys, some of you listening to this podcast, you may not have been in church as long as I have. I've been in church since I was two weeks old. I'm 36 now. Let me tell you something. I've seen this with my own eyes. People making change in the offering plate. Making change. Are you freaking kidding me? Well, all I had on me was a 20, so I wanted to see if there was a 10 in there, uh, you know, that I could, I just need to get a little change here. I want to give $10 a day. Give the 20, you bum, and get your checkbook out and write an offering to God that's going to mean something to you. And people wonder why they struggle. Just don't understand, I can't understand why I can't make ends meet. Maybe it's because the seeds you're sowing are so insignificant that God doesn't even recognize them. And, th- and this kind of harsh speaking needs to take place to a generation that puts themselves first over God. Now, I understand, obviously, the listeners of this podcast are generous sowers. I'm talking to the elite today. I am talking to the cream of the crop. But you understand, you know people like that. Making change in the offering plate, that is like, a tr- that's like I, unconscionable. I cannot understand how somebody with a clear conscience could go down and pull money out of the offering plate so that they could give something smaller 
than what they have in their wallet. Here's an idea. Why don't you just try to travel into heaven and slap God in the face? It'll do you just as much good as giving God something that takes no faith to give. When you give to God, it has to be something that takes faith. Why? The Bible, you know, does it take faith for you to crumple up three $1 bills and put them in an offering plate? Does it really take faith for you to grab a 20 and go make change and get 10 back and give God $10? Does that take faith? No, it doesn't. People go out on Sunday afternoon after they're done and spend 10 times that at lunch with their family and don't even think twice about it. And it doesn't take faith. You don't have to sit there and fast and pray for 30 days so you can take your family to Sunday dinner. Oh God, just open up the windows of heaven. God, we're going to go to Outback next week on Sunday. And I'm just asking you now, God, that you'd provide supernaturally because we don't just want steaks, God. We want the onion ring appetizer that has the orange sauce. And oh God, we know that you are blessing us. No one does that. You just go out and eat lunch. It doesn't take faith for you to do. And so if that's the case, it obviously doesn't take faith for people to put some small amount in an offering plate and give, you know, $5, $10, $20 to God, even $100. Give God something that takes faith to do. Why? Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Impossible. Doesn't say it's hard to please him. Says it's impossible to please him. If something you're doing for God doesn't take any faith for you to do, it is displeasing to God. And if you read, which means it doesn't take faith. And if you read in the book of Romans, the Bible says anything that is not of faith is sin. Anything that is not of faith is sin. So you've got to realize today that what we do for God needs to take faith to accomplish. My wife and I have made a vow with one another that we will give more to God every year than we did the year before. And we will also give the largest one-time gifts that we've ever given. I was just talking with a friend of mine yesterday who's the first person that I've ever talked to that thought the way my, my wife and I do. He was telling me that he and his wife uh, have been saving up money because they wanted to give a large seed into the kingdom of God of $5,000. Well, you know, I, I thought, you know, my, my uncle, my, my family, you know, when I was under my uncle at the uh, church in Virginia beach, this is one of the things that we talked about regularly because th- there are people that will save up for every other thing. People will save up to go to Disney world. They'll save up, you know, for a new bass boat. They'll save up to go on a hunting trip, but they've never thought about saving for a seed. They want to do something they've never done for God at a higher level than they've ever done. And my wife and I've done that saving up for a seed. I want to sow something at a level I've never sown before. And I want to give God something that takes faith for me to release into the kingdom of God. You know, if you've never sown a thousand dollars into the kingdom of God, at an offering level, you need to trust God to sow a thousand dollars into the kingdom. If you have, see, here's what you'll realize is that as God keeps increasing you, then, you know, you, uh, the, the, the offerings that used to move you will no longer move you. 
happened to my wife and I. I remember the first time we ever gave $1,000. And it it took serious faith for us to release that into the kingdom. $1,000? We'd never given like that before. I remember the first time we released it. I was like, my goodness, it felt heavy leaving my hand. Why? Because it was the level we were currently at. It took extreme faith for us to write a $1,000 check into the kingdom. But we got to a place it didn't mean that much anymore. I mean, God had continued to increase and bless us, and $1,000 did not mean to us then what it did to us previously. So we had to increase. And this is the key I'm giving you for number two, is that you've got to, when God increases your level, you must increase your seed level as well. I remember $1,000, we were doing it left and right. It didn't mean like it used, what it used to mean. So we had to up it. We upped it to $2,500. We began to sow. 2,500 here, 2,500 there. twenty. And I remember it at first, man, oh, to sow that, it, it was it was hard. It's like, my Lord, I don't know, this is a big seed. But then it the same thing happened and we had to bump it up to $5,000. And begin to see, and see as, as the Lord keeps increasing you. I remember the first time we ever sowed $10,000. And I was like, my God, we, you know, no, but, but you have to keep increasing because the more you increase, the more your seed must increase. Obviously, your tithe is going to increase, but your seed must increase. See, and you've got to put God's house first. Here, here's one reason many people are not blessed. I'm going to read you this passage from Haggai chapter one, uh, verses three through, I don't know, we'll go down through uh, six at least. The Bible says, then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? You see that right there? That's a key. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? Verse five, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Look at what's happening to you. You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Now look at this. Your wages will disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. It's powerful to understand that when you put God first, he puts you first and he takes it. This is a proof right here, by the way, this is a proof that God takes issue with people who put their own advancement and wealth above the, uh, the advancement and agenda of his kingdom. It's, it's, it's a travesty. I mean, I knew, I knew a pastor one time who like, he was the epitome of this. It used to grieve my spirit. You know, he, he would spend everything on himself and his family and his church. Like, you know, you go, he was driving like an extreme and listen, let me preface this by saying I have zero problem with people prospering. You should know that about me by now. I, I want the the most extreme prosperity for people's lives, ministers included, especially because the Bible says they're worthy of double honor. But I, I want you to know, I have no problem with any house anyone lives in. I don't care if it's a mansion. 
you know, I don't care what they drive. I want people to drive the best of the best. If you have a Rolls Royce, I'm happy. I'll dance in the street for you. I want people to be blessed by God. But when it comes at the expense of God's house, when it comes at the expense of you just spending everything on yourself and God gets nothing, it's a major problem. And I remember there was this pastor who drove like an extremely luxurious car, lived in a beautiful home. Like I'm talking about one of the most expensive cars you could buy, lived in a gorgeous home, had extremely nice things, clothes, everything he wore, jewelry. But then his church was a wreck. His church sanctuary had indoor outdoor carpeting like you'd put on a patio uh, uh, as the carpeting of his church. It grieved my spirit because it's a proof that you put yourself above God. And it's a fatal mistake. That pastor's no longer no longer even has that church. Wow, big surprise. Why? Because you got to honor God if you want the blessing of God. So number two, you have got to put God's house above your house and sow at your level of increase. It's so important. Sow at your level of increase. Don't just tithe. Sow large seeds into the kingdom of God. Number three, you have got to make up in your mind, I'm going to do something to bless the poor. You've got to do it. Number three, blessing the poor. I want to read you just a few scriptures about that because I don't think people understand how much the Bible has to say about this. I think I think people think it's like, well, when I get some time or some extra cash, you know, I'll throw a couple quarters into somebody's cup on the street. That's not what the Bible teaches. Let me read you just maybe four or five verses from the book of Proverbs. This is going to change your spirit. Look at this. Proverbs 19, verse 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. Notice when you give to the poor, you're giving directly to the Lord. Proverbs 22 and verse nine, whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed for he shares his bread with the poor. Proverbs 14, 31, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him, talking about his maker. You honor your maker when you're generous to the needy. Listen to this one. Proverbs 28, 27. Whoever gives to the poor will not want or lack, but he who hides his eyes from, from the you know oppression of the poor will get many a curse. He who gives to the poor will never lack, but he who hides his eyes from the poor will get many a curse. Let me read you one more. Uh, Proverbs 21, 13. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Think about how powerful these verses are. God's literally saying, if you won't help the poor, I won't help you. They're crying out for help and you turn your eyes away, you turn your ears away. So when you cry out for help and you need my assistance, I'm not gonna help you. Because when you give to the poor, you're giving directly to the Lord. And I wanna encourage you because that's one of the things that happens as you're partnering with this ministry, we have many partners that listen to the podcast. That's one of the things that happens when you sow into this ministry. We've also partnered with the group that Lester Summerall founded before he died, Feed the Hungry. 
And we've ensured that we are in the top 1% of givers to that organization in the world. In the world. I actually called up one time and I said, I want to be in the top 1%. I want to make sure that we're giving at a large level to bless the poor. And I said to my assistant, Jenna, I said, I want you to call them and find out uh, what it would take for us to be in the top 1% of givers. And when they called back, they said, hey, we got good news for you. You're already in the top 1%. We've made up our minds. We are going to bless the poor because we're giving directly to the Lord. And I'll tell you, the Bible says when you do that, it ensures that you will never lack and that when you cry out for help, God will not only hear you, he will answer you. So that's number three. Don't forget to be a blessing to the poor. Don't forget to be a blessing to the poor. Uh, Number four, the fourth common mistake that's stealing your financial increase is unholiness in your life, unrighteousness in your life. Sin is a killer of financial prosperity. I want to quote a verse of scripture to you from the book of Psalms, Psalm 84 and verse 11. The Bible says that the Lord our God is a sun and a shield and no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. What does that mean? That live holy before him, that live righteously. There's no blessing he won't release on those kinds of people. This is further uh, proven in the book of Job chapter 36 and verse 11, where the Bible says that God speaking said, if they'll only obey and serve me, they'll spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. That's Job 36 and verse 11. If they'll only obey and serve me, they'll spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. Take it into the New Testament. You'll see the same thing. Matthew 6, 33. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see that? They're two different things. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's the covenant details of the kingdom and his righteousness, which is living holy. And then all these things will be added unto you. Holiness, living according to the commands of God, is a key to receiving the supernatural prosperity of heaven in your life. I'm here in Clifton Park, New York this week holding a revival. I was talking to the pastor last night, and uh, at one point he had Lester Sumrall uh, come and speak at his church when Lester Sumrall was still alive. And uh, when he was at the altar, Lester Sumrall said to him, he, as they were leaving the altar after a service and headed back to the green room, he said, do you want to know how to do great things for God? And the pastor said, absolutely, I do. He said, follow me. And he took him back to the office, the pastor's office. And he said, Lester Sumrall sat down in the armchair in the, in the, in the office and said, if you want to, I'll tell you how to do great things for God. Don't sin. That's all he said. I'm sure the pastor was expecting some, you know, long explanation or some in-depth, you know, uh, uh, guidance on the ins and outs of doing great things for the kingdom. Lester Summerall only had one piece of advice. If you want to do great things for God, and I'm telling you, if you want to receive the blessings of God, don't sin. Live free from sin. Holiness brings the blessing. Righteousness brings increase. 
And that is found everywhere in the Bible. No question about it. The Bible actually tells us that in Deuteronomy chapter 28, God begins to promise this to his children. He said, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all of his commandments that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. And you'll experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. And wherever you go and whatever you do, you'll be blessed. Look at verse 7. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven directions. Goes on through. And that's Deuteronomy 1 through 14 listing the blessings. But you know what's interesting? Is that uh, if you keep on going from Deuteronomy chapter uh, 28 verses 15 all the way through to the end of the chapter, which is verse 68, it begins to list the curses that will come upon you if you don't obey the Lord your God. Do you know what I found out by studying those curses? 63% of the curses that God said would come upon them for disobedience dealt with their finances. 63% of the curse dealt with their economic well-being if they disobeyed the Lord their God. Notice, holiness is the master key that will bring you into the blessings of God. And let me finish by giving you number five, the fifth common mistake that's maybe stealing your financial increase is a lack of wisdom. A lack of wisdom. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that a fool spends all that he has. A fool spends all that he has. There are people that God is blessing them, but they don't use wisdom with their finances. They're not good stewards of their finances. Now, this is something that is expected of us to be good stewards of God's increase in our life. That's going back once again to the parable of the talents. When God puts something in your hand, he expects you to do well with it. And the Bible says that in Matthew 25, and I'll finish with this point, that God said in Matthew 25, when that servant didn't do what he was supposed to have done, God not only cast him out, or the master not only cast him out, but took his talent and gave it to the one who had 10. And people were upset. Well, I don't understand. He's already got 10. Why would you give him up? And the Bible says this, which is a principle in the kingdom. To him that has, more will be given. So understand there's a reason that some people are walking in increase and there's a reason that many people aren't. And it's not generational curses. And it's not all these things. It's, it's these, what many people call generational curses, I call learned behaviors. Because there's no curse that can stay on a child of God. You're redeemed from the curse. And how can anyone curse what God has blessed? That's found in the book of Numbers. You can't curse what God has blessed. So tell me what demon can curse you if God has blessed you. You know, many of the things that families deal with are learned behaviors. What you grow up in, the environment that you grow up in. You know, there's a great article uh, that... uh, I think it was Dave Ramsey who reposted it, caught a lot of flack for it, but he was comparing the habits of those that are poor to those that are rich. And there's a reason, you know, 
I'll tell you, and I know these are secular resources, but guys like Robert Kiyosaki wrote a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he talks about that how in his life, he had one dad that was his actual dad and one that treated him like a son who was more of his mentor or his business dad. And he said that they both had very different ideas about wealth, money, increase, finances, whatever. And he said he had to stop listening to the advice of his actual dad because although he was a hard worker, he was poor his entire life. Why? So there are learned behaviors that you can live in. I mean, what do you do when you grow up in a family where it's normal to just, you know, not to overspend? You know, it's normal to just, you know, we don't have the money for it, but we're just going to put everything on credit cards. We're just going to overspend more than we have. We're going to go out, uh, you know, anything we want, anything we see. We have no self-control. We need it right now. We're going to go buy it right now. I know we don't have the money for it. We're not going to save anything. We'll have no savings. We'll have no retirement. We'll have nothing prepared for our children as an increase. By the way, that's, that's wrong because the Bible says that a godly man leaves an inheritance not only to his children, but his children's children, a godly man. So that, that shows you that in order to be truly a godly man or woman, you have to have financial increase without question, because how can you even fulfill that promise unless you have the increase to leave your children and your grandchildren an inheritance? So if you grew up in a family where wisdom was never employed, then your learned behaviors are killing you. Everything's on credit cards. Everything's on layaway. You know, you do the whole rent to own. You go to Rent-A-Center and you realize, you know, wow, it's really easy because I can have an Xbox One for $5 a week. Yeah, and by the time you're done paying for it, instead of going to Walmart and paying $3.99 for an Xbox One, by the time you're done, you've spent $9.75 for the very same thing because you have no self-control and you can't wait and you have to have it now. So I'd rather do a Rent-A-Center style purchase and I'd rather, I'd rather pay three times what something costs so I can have it now. See, and that's why self-discipline is a fruit of the spirit, self-control. That's why Paul told Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline because God expects this from his children. Don't go through your life. If your parents were like that, listen to me. If your parents were like that, if you grew up in a family where there was no self-discipline, where there was no wisdom being used, don't continue in the mistakes of those that went before you. It's not, an, it's not a spiritual curse. It's not a generational curse. There's no demon taking your money. It, you have got to use wisdom and the word of God gives you wisdom. That's why the Bible says things that, are, that doesn't seem that spiritual, does it? That scripture, a fool spends all that he has. That doesn't seem spiritual. How can you run around the church and dance in the Holy Ghost over that verse? You can't do it. It's just pure, unadulterated wisdom. A fool spends all that he has. And you truly will put your increase into a bag with holes. If you cannot control yourself, if you cannot use self-discipline and do what is wise, first thing we mark out in our home, God gets his tithe first. God gets his increase first. First thing goes out of our house is what belongs to God. Always. That's wisdom. 
the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the Bible says. So I want to encourage you today. God has a plan for you to increase exponentially financially. He wants to see you increase supernaturally. And I know I know you will. That's why I'm giving you this today because I know God has a plan to use you in these final hours of time and be extremely impactful in the kingdom of God. No question about it. And I'm excited because, listen, I'm going to take a minute, which I never do on the podcast, but I'm going to encourage you today to sow a seed into this ministry. We're getting ready to do the largest things we've ever done. Our programs are getting made for television right now. We're getting ready to go on TV in every island of the Caribbean, in India, and we're going to start touching the nations of the world. I'm getting ready to go to Brazil next year. I believe God's opening many doors in Central America, and I can't wait. Our books, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, are getting ready to be translated into multiple languages. I'm going to make a push to touch the nations of this world, and I want you to join with me. And I want you to sow a seed into this ministry today. You can easily do it in the description of the podcast. There's a line there that says, sow a seed today with a link. You can click on that link and easily it'll take you right to the page where you can sow a seed. Many of you, you'd like to partner with us on a monthly basis. We've had people that are now partnering with us $85 a month, $1,000 a year. Some are doing more. Some from their businesses are sowing large amounts to push the gospel forward. We just received a, a, an offering. Somebody just sent in an offering for $7,500 to push the gospel forward. Do something today that's going to take faith for you to do and watch as God increases you. Let me pray over every one of you listening and ask God to increase you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you'd give us a hunger to obey your word. Do not let us be those in America that fall into the category of non-tither, non-giver, No, Lord, we love you more than that. We're more dedicated to your kingdom than that. Give us a fire in our spirit to do more than we've ever done for your kingdom. Lord, not only will we give more this year than we ever have, but we'll give the largest amounts that we ever have to the kingdom of God. Use us in a mighty way. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We love you. Give every one of us that holy desire to put you first above all else. And we thank you that as we do, the windows of heaven are opening up over us and we receive the blessing of God in Jesus' mighty name. I say thank you in Jesus' name. Listen, I love you guys. Don't forget to click that link in the description and get your free chapter of Further Faster. I love you so much. Until next time, don't forget, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I'll talk to you on Wednesday. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com.